Hi, I'm Rocco Stano and welcome to Storymakers. Today we have Julie Chaparro and J.M. Sovak. Uh, they are the team that created Into the Dangerous World. Welcome guys. Thanks. Thanks Rocco. Thanks for having us. I brought you a gift. You did? Yes. Ah, I love gifts. <laughs> this is a chocolate world from the Alps sweet shop in my town of Beacon, New York. Oh, and terrific. And, and it sweeten you up. Uh, well, thank you. <laughs> you know my weakness. And I'm actually familiar with the Alps sweet shop. And I know that people can try it out, go online and look them up. But into the dangerous world. Tell us a little bit about the book, Julie. It takes place in New York City in 1984. And it's about a girl whose father burns their house down uh, with himself inside. A so uplifting story. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I, I write very light, funny stories. And so not only does she lose her father, who she loves, um, but she also loses a big part of herself, which is all the art that she's done over the years. She makes e zines, um, she makes album covers, she, she's drawn all kinds of things. And now that she's lost everything, she, um, she has to start over and she has to find out who she is now, moving forward. You play a big role with the art in this uh, book. So tell us about the role you played. Into the Dangerous World is chock full of 130 uh, drawings that are done by this character, Roar, where she's figuring out who she is really as an artist and asking just really important questions. Is she good enough? How does she know if she's good enough? Uh, what, whose opinion can she trust? And what does she do with the art that she's got when she's got it? Yeah, and as you mentioned, it takes place in 1984 in New York City, which was a very different uh, city. Graffiti art or urban art plays a very big role in this uh, book. Do you have personal experience? <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, it was a very different uh, city because in the 80s, um, New York was just get, get coming out of bankruptcy and Roar and her family are moved into a welfare hotel on the Upper West Side, which now everybody thinks is very posh and shishy, right. but back then was really bombed out and poor. She sees graffiti uh, for the first time. She sees these kind of scribbly code things on the walls. When she goes starts public school, she realizes that they're graffiti and um, she starts to meet these graffiti artists who write on the street. Graffiti or urban art's a little more accepted uh, in 2015. I, I actually have personal experience because uh, people have been sending me graffiti art with the word Stano that appears all around uh, New York City. And uh, so I guess there's a graffiti artist named Stano that's out there. It's not me, just, uh, let's just <laughs> yeah. clarify that. But it's very, uh, very interesting. And, and so this person, Stano, is not uh, worried about having a name out there. But in 1984, uh, people were very cautious about uh, signing their graffiti uh, work, right? Well, it was... It was for graffiti artists, which, which are a whole anonymous level of art at the time and a lot now as well. Mm -hmm. um, that was how you got famous. So you got up to get famous. Um, but you only really got famous among the other graffiti artists. Um, whoever would see you and see you, like you said, mm -hmm. all over the place. You've seen them uptown, you've seen them downtown. Right. Um, that, that was how they got their satisfaction, was to have their name everywhere. But a lot of graffiti was also giving a voice to the voiceless and making the invisible visible. You know, all the trains that 
road with full car graffiti made these kids who otherwise were known or were unknown yeah. made them made them superstars do you have any experience with uh, uh, urban art I don't, is this being recorded I think so but we could change the names <laughs> to protect the uh, guilty um. <laughs> if he told you he'd have to kill you <laughs> my experience is, is somewhat similar to Roar's I think in the sense that um, in the words of a graffiti artist uh, that we met and we spent a lot of time talking uh, about his stories Bill Rock shout out to Bill Rock um, he, he described graffiti as a full contact body sport and I think that, that uh, the, it, it's a full contact body sport of the art world. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it's really very true. There's a lot of adrenaline. It's a very fast medium. And um, I quickly discovered that I kind of like things slow and to let them mature. Which is so. what Roar is figuring out as right, well. Right. right. And the police also have a really good way of convincing you that there are other creative outlets for uh, young folk. So in the book, you mention many uh, uh, art forms and artists and musicians, and it's almost like a little uh, time capsule uh, of the uh, 80s. So when I was reading it, I, uh, I knew who these people were, and I said, I wonder if today's uh, reader a young reader would know uh, Andy Warhol or the Velvet Underground. And, uh, and besides the book, you have a way to help the, your readers. And, and well, tell us about your website. Well, I believe that graffiti doesn't stand alone. So there's graffiti and music and hip hop and rap and all these other things that are interconnected still and very popular today. So I think kids might wonder where did all this come from? So we built a website for the book called intothedangerousworld.com. And on it, there, um, there's art then and art now. There's an art blog. So there, there's you know, ways to educate the kids more. You know, they're always looking stuff up anyway. Um, and we talk about uh, Andy Warhol and Dadaism. And we're going to have music on there. And it was very interesting, the number of uh, artistic and cultural references in the book. And I found that, uh, well, very educational. And uh, the, the way you, you kind of just included those uh, throughout the book. So art, as we said, plays a very important uh, role in the book. And there's, as you mentioned, 130 uh, drawings mm -hmm. and uh, and you brought some of your art with us so let's uh, see what you have and let's uh, talk about the art and how it's incorporated into the book I brought some of these with me and um, part of the iconography of Roar the, the artist uh, was what I had to learn and a lot of what she draws is her father the thing that she, or the person that she misses the most. Um, she loses her father in fire, so fire comes as a theme a lot in the book. And Nowadays, just, we would call it a meme. <laughs> we probably call it a meme. Or this could be what happens when you read the book. Your head right. just <laughs> totally goes on fire. Um, no, I think, uh, he's, he's, I think she imagines him in this pose, reading his poetry, and in a kind of serene state, while his whole world is burning down. So in a way, I think she thinks that she'd, she'd like to meet her own fate with the same kind of forcefulness as her father did. So the other picture I brought is um, 
uh, a pencil drawing. And um, a lot of the drawings in the book uh, are done in different uh, media. And I uh, feel like that's, that's appropriate because as an artist and as a teenager, you're constantly trying stuff out, seeing what works, what doesn't. And um, part of the world of graffiti is not only the trains as you see them elevated on the tracks, but the underworld, right? It's the unconscious, it's the uh, forgotten part of New York City, and it's a, it's a dangerous space that she knows of, hence the, the mm. title, Into the Dangerous World. So this could be very much the, inter the dangerous world that she enters into, and she knows that she will eventually have to enter it. And the uh, reader, when they look closely mm -hmm. at the uh, drawings, I mean, initially you see the uh, subway cars, but then if you look closer, the tunnel really is a, a skull. Uh, yes, I uh, uh, did, yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, um, this is uh, part satire, part um, psychology of what it's like to be a, a, a budding artist. And um, I think just like being a teenager, being an artist means that you're constantly up against somebody telling you what to do. Right. And most of the time, as an artist, that person telling you what to do is right up here. And the art cop makes a distinction between what's right and what's wrong and what's good and what's bad. So she has a lot of influences. She has her art teacher telling her, you should get your portfolio ready for college. She has Trey telling her, come on, let's hit the streets. Right. She has the, the art store owner right. giving her supplies. And then he sees she draws graffiti. And he's like, what is that? Don't do that. Right. Um, so she, and then she has her father, who was an artist, talking in Back her head. Back and forth, right. Yeah. Um, yes. So she's just until she can hear her own voice, right. this is what she's and the, struggling and the, Right, this is, uh, kind of encompasses her struggle, right? Yeah. And part of the process of becoming an artist is really trying to figure out how to X out all these voices because the only one that really matters is your own. Um, and the last piece I brought is um, a stencil that she's made, and this pretty much paints the picture haha, of uh, who she is yes. on the street. Uh, her, her street tag is Octora which is here written uh, with the number eight. And she takes on the uh, image of this atom cloud, right? And she also takes on this image of an octopus, right? She's obsessed with octopuses, this kind of these arms New spread York out City through the city. The uh, object of her destruction, let's say, uh, would be uh, figured right here in uh, the shape of Ronald Reagan, who at the time, was, was president. Was president. <laughs> and he, uh, he appears, I mean, as uh, a lot in the, uh, in the book. And the, uh, one may say the book's a little edgy. And that, uh, and that, you know, we have Ronald Reagan and there are some, uh, you know, political opinions uh, in the book about uh, uh, Reagan. And well, it's, she's looking at the world from the point of view of someone who has nothing. Right. And Reagan is looking at the world from the point of view of people who have something. Right. Um, it's not everything. And so I just had to be honest about her, where she was looking at the world from, you know, and yes. that's, you know, that everything's being taken away from poor people. Yeah, you know, some people may, when they read the book, uh, uh, police are called pigs. And, you know, at the time, you know, that you know, was kind of uh, ignited. Her parents are hippies. Of, yeah, she comes right. from a commune. So you were kind of capturing the mood of the uh, time. And, uh, well, they didn't call them police, so I felt right. I had to be honest about 
where this stuff was coming from. No, very, no, uh, and uh, very interesting. And so, JM, so tell us a little bit about your background. Well, I've uh, been drawing since um, my dad taught me to draw. Ever since then, that's pretty much what I uh, always go back to. I mean, it's really, it's, it's uh, the most comfortable thing for me. It's really like um, one would write, um, I draw. Part of the process of doing the drawings for Into the Dangerous World was really trying to remember what it was like, like what that process was like to really get the skills, but then also the confidence in doing what you were doing. I had to think about, I think the best note that we ever got from one of the editors was, what was it like then? What did we listen to? What were we watching? What was really occupying our lives in a way? And I really had to go back and try and remember what that was like because it's so easy to, to step up and move on and figure, well, I've got the skills now. I'm not the person I was back then. But in a way, I had to uh, reverse gears and uh, relearn the things that, that, I, that I thought I knew. Now, this isn't the first time the two of you have collaborated on a book. Uh, you worked on another book. What book was that? Um, my second book, it, which was called Deadly, it was a girl's, uh, girl scientist's right. diary. So she, she would include these kind of very light sketches in her. It doesn't have as many drawings, mm -hmm. but yeah. It's very un unusual for the uh, uh, author and illustrator to, well, uh, be married. Sleep in the same bed. Yes, yeah, sleep in the same bed <laughs> and also uh, be almost like a package. So, uh, so how did that come about? I've been working on stories with JM for years and our editor at the time for Deadly uh, knew that he was an artist and he said, why doesn't he draw some stuff for, for Deadly? And then he did such a good job that our agent said, <clears throat> why don't we when I handed her the manuscript for this, she said, why don't we get this character to be, to actually draw? Um, because she is an artist. So he did a few and we, we managed to find uh, Viking, uh, which is our publisher. It's also how we met. Really? I mean, the first it day is... we met, I had a chunk of drawings that I was carrying around. Uh -huh. She had uh, stories that she had recently published in a magazine and we just sat down and swapped Swapped work. Ah, so tell, tell me about the, uh, the process, the collaboration process. Now, do you look over each other's shoulder? Uh, uh, do you uh, critique, etc.? So I'll let you go first. It's always a discussion. I would say I do some early uh, writing, but then I show him pretty much everything that I write. And he's a great um, great critiquer. So we tried to write and draw at the same time, but that didn't work out um, because we didn't really know what the whole book was. Um, so I, I wrote a, a draft, a good strong draft, and then he started drawing. And it was the same thing. So he would draw a sketch, then he would bring it to me and I would say, no, um, <laughs> not quite there. So, so I got him back. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I could get him back. Is that accurate or do you want to add anything? <laughs> I think uh, you said it once that it's really like uh, working with two brains with all the benefit of 
having the, 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 the high of having something really work. And when it works, it's really good. And when it's good, it's really good. Mm -hmm. And also the lows of when it's being bad, you have, <laughs> you have everything compounded. And you have to be, you know, have an open heart to let somebody see your really bad stuff too, mm -hmm. you know. As a, a team, there's another person on your team and that's your editor and uh, that's Sharon November. Sharon you know, November. and many people <laughs> know Sharon November. What's the real Sharon November like? <laughs> Well, she's like an encyclopedia. Um, she does not let you get away with anything. I mean, down to the comma. Um, we had a, a bit of a struggle because I am a little loosey-goosey with um, historical facts because I feel like this is fiction, I can make stuff up. And she's like, no, you have to get these things right. And she would even look things up for me and send me links um, and she's up at all hours of the day and night. Um, she really worked so hard on this book. Um, she's she's a, so fully committed. Um, it was just such a gift to work with her. I know she's... And, a, and Jim Hoover also. At, um, he's the, uh, the, the designer? The art, the book, the the art director. Yeah. Art director, yeah. so yes. Both great it was, a, it was sort of an amazing team. Yes, and as a result, I know that Sharon's a big advocate uh, for the book, but I hear that uh, Junior Library Guild has selected this as one of their... Uh, Picks, yeah. you know, so that's great. Yeah. Yes. And the other interesting thing about this book is that it is almost like a, a mixture of a novel and a graphic novel. And we didn't really show the uh, the graphic novel elements, but tell us about you know some of the uh, drawings that are graphic novel like. Yeah, uh, almost every other chapter or so has something that we call the Dido dialogue, which is the dialogues that she has with her father in absentia and has him answer the questions that she can't really answer for herself since he's gone. And so Julie would just write out these dialogues like a script. And uh, it only seemed like natural, like where the drawing and where the text met is where this graphic novel kind of element that came about where she draws herself as this character talking to her father in those Dado dialogues. Yeah, so I can see a, a reader who is like a, a graphic novel junkie kind of uh, Moving on to uh, this book, which is a little meatier. Nothing again? Te textier. Yeah, textier. <laughs> yes, textier. Yes. You have, you mentioned using all types of media in your. Uh, your art for this book and and we were talking about uh, graffiti and so did you try some graffiti I think I think through the magic of television uh, we actually can show some of that well now you're not really supposed to do this on paper but <laughs> this is uh, the uh, this is the piece that Roar does how she imagines her friend Kevin doing his piece which he tags nil. He's a nihilist. So nil, and at the bottom he tags, there's no meaning to this, so don't even look. In the sense that what you see is pretty much just what you get. There's no meaning to it. And I like the idea that there is nothing more than what you see, but in the end, what you do see is the city that's behind it. And normally this would be on that brick wall right behind you. And even though the graffiti is what's striking you in your eye, what it gives visibility to is the thing that you don't see, which is right behind it, the trains, the walls, the city that has been forgotten. So when you I got that? I got that. So when I visit, <laughs> so when I visit Beacon, I should be looking at the walls? 
when you should when or at you, your backyard uh, on your house when you visit Beacon after you've been to Alps shop right yes, you should come check out the walls for sure <laughs> Well, thank you. So, uh, Roar is undoubtedly a strong uh, female uh, character, a, a superhero of sorts. She's, she's almost been engineered that way by her father. She grew up um, in this strange commune that he created himself with 15 other people. And he kept her out of school, and he trained her himself, and she can use a chainsaw, she can build houses. She's just an amazingly mentally and physically strong person. Um, and then when she lost him, she became angry, and anger is a source of, of strength as well, and, and a huge adrenaline push. Um, so... She, she sort of doesn't let anything get in her way. She, she's a, like a learning machine. She knows how to consume and learn and, and, and try to understand and work things out for herself. And, you know, and there's a contrast between uh, uh, she and her sister, too. I mean, they're so Yes, they're so her different. sister's the Republican of their right. her, uh, liberal. <laughs> yes. Yeah, she wants to make money. She, um, she cares about how she looks. Um, she wants to look feminine. Her sister, Marilyn. Yes, right. She wants to be Marilyn Monroe. Right, right. That's the right. There's a whole thing with her she name, her name, name early in from the book. Halo right. to Marilyn. Yes. Which, yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. If you're looking for a superhero, you've you've got one. Except uh, her superpowers are really only Art. her imagination, her skill, and her just crazy ambition. Right. And I think that. Uh, not only will uh, teens enjoy the book, but I, I think that uh, art teachers uh, would probably really enjoy the book and sharing it with their uh, students. And because I think many uh, art teachers encounter students very similar to the characters uh, in your uh, I know book. a lot of teenagers like this. I really do. They carry around their notebooks, they write on their hands and their legs and their backpacks, and they, they're just crazy creative um, kids. So I think it would, we would love to have our teachers embrace it. The book is out now, and uh, you have that website that kind of uh, is, enriches the content of the uh, book. So uh, congratulations. Thank you. And, just one last thing, anything uh, in the works? Maybe not together, we're not oh, okay. sure. <laughs> okay. okay, well thanks for the chocolate, and check out the book, and remember, until next time, give a kid a book in any format.